Welcome to the Late Night Disenfranchised, a podcast exploring the archives of UK club culture. I'm your host, Ollie, and I've been documenting club culture for years. You're now listening to Archive 2. I'm speaking to a very special guest. He's been in the music industry for over 20 years now, worked for Ninja Tune, Boiler Room, and recently set up his own management and record label, Don't Sleep. A fellow South Londoner, Mr. Dean Bryce. Dean, hello. Thank you, man. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. How you been? Yes, busy with work and stuff, but you know, being productive, so I can't complain. Yeah. So just for yeah. the listeners out there, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, just a brief history. Of- yeah, well, I'm going to keep it short. It's a long history. So my name is Dean. been working in music for 20, 21 years. Um, Done a variety of things, began in management uh, with MJ, Cole Roots Maneuver, artists like that. Then record label, BMG Records, had a great time doing that. Uh, it was during um, Outcast's album, Love Below Speaker Box. So I was a marketing assistant, Alicia Keys' um, Diary of Usher Confessions. It was a great year and like a lot of British stuff as well. Um, then finding songs for adverts. I was doing a lot of sync stuff. Don't know if you remember that advert. Cadbury's Gorilla, the guy yeah. in, the, in the gorilla suit. I, yeah. I cleared that song for um, Fallon, an agency, and then Ninja Tune, like 10 years there, ended up doing A&R and Boiler Room, and then now running Don't Sleep, which is a kind of my own company specializing, well, focusing on music management and, and records, releasing records from artists. Amazing. That's it in that's a nutshell. Getting... I could have gone. I could have gone deeper, but I know it. you can. I know you can. <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna keep it short and sweet for now, and then um, cool. I'm sure we'll hear more about your history during the conversation yeah. anyway. But yeah, let's just get straight into it. So, kind of the first half of this um this discussion is based around your your history and your memories of when you first started going out. So, I just want people to describe everything that was going on, the music they were listening to, the yeah. venues they were going to, um, the fashion, mm. do you know what I mean? Like everything surrounding the culture, like yeah. what were your first memories of that? Um, my first going out experience didn't really involve me going out. Um, it was kind of my parents threw a lot of house parties. So I got my experience of the nightlife from being at home. So I remember being at home and my dad DJing sometimes on one turntable ranging from like soul, reggae and everything in between. Being a little kid around about, how old have I been? I'd have been about nine maybe, or maybe even younger, eight, nine, just watching the parties, absorbing the atmosphere and just getting down with the adults. I really, really enjoyed that. So I think that really shaped a lot of my early, early experiences, but it was almost as if I didn't have to go and try because it was in my house. It was just something that I was, I was really used to. Um, so after the house parties, I started going to real parties with my dad and he was part of Saxon Studio, the kind of sound system in South London. So I'd go to a lot of their parties. There was a venue called uh, Moonshot, which is in New Cross and it's a community center. So I go to like loads of parties down there. We get in free on the guest list. I was like, well, my dad knows all these people. I'm, I'm still young. <laughs> I'm, I'm still young. I'm going in like 
free walking in with my dad and just kind of jamming and hearing good music that was mostly reggae and it was um it was a lot of fun but i started going out before that actually so then there were these all dayers which were the parties they had in london daytime parties daytime raves mm. in south london in the park so they were in Brockroll park and burgess park i started going to them in primary school i remember going to primary school and talking to people about like raga which was the new kind of wave of music that's like 1990 1991 so yeah i'm 10 i'm 10 years old with my aunt and my sister going to these daytime raves and that was the very first time that i saw a musical movement because i remember people mm. i remember standing on a hill once watching down everyone everyone was doing the bogle dance it was a kind of <laughs> a, sea, a sea of people right going up and down in this mad rhythmical wave and i was like wow, wow. everyone's yeah. doing the same dance i'm being i'm mad young and i'm like this is something special people kind of are all together and Yeah, early 90s. You start venturing out on your own more or? My first party in a club was um, 93, 94, Peckham Laser Drone. So it was a friend's birthday. I was so 93, I was 12, 94, I think. Big jungle rave. I remember my mum getting me an MA1 jacket to go and wear or MA2 jacket. <laughs> she bought in Lucian Market, one of those bait ones, but I don't care. Yeah. To, to, go and wear, to go and wear it at the dance. I was kind of shook because my first time being in a club club and it was like loud dance music it's jungle but it's like dance music it wasn't reggae or soul or whatever yeah. so i'm going there feeling really kind of apprehensive getting in security i look young anyway so at 13 I must look like i was fucking 10 or something so i got in weirdly i don't know how i got in bro it was incredible it was incredible i'd gone from seeing parties reggae dances with like wooden boxes and like proper mm. reggae diy style to seeing lights like flashing lights dj ron i saw his name in lights and i was like who is this guy dj ron he's incredible yeah, I was, like i was gonna ask who was playing yeah it was oh, mad because we did a boiler room session when i was at boiler room we did it we kind of booked him for um what was it for it was for a carnival session and bro mm. i've seen him twice in my life i saw him when i was 13 and in my late 30s and i was like raw dj raw he's a bad man i couldn't even approach him i was like nah he's like legendary but um yeah it was very di different atmosphere i wasn't even a jungle fan so i remember talking to a, a friend of eli he was like this tune's sick i love this tune and i was like i don't even know what this tune is but i was like yeah 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 it's bad isn't it it's sick. like i was like you know you got to fit in you're young you're trying to fit in i didn't know any of these tunes i didn't know one record all i knew is that this experience was just crazy but the, even even crazier, that venue, Laser Drone, Laser Drone was actually like um, a quasar kind of a shooting <laughs> laser thing before. And I went there years ago as a kid and was shooting lasers. That was that That's was amazing. Nice. That was for me was just like, wow, I've landed, I've found clubs. That's crazy at that age. Seriously, yeah. And what is the building now? It's just funny, funny you say that because I, I was actually walking past there on Friday. It's now mm. a big Tesco. It's a Tesco just at the end of, um, of Rye Lane near um, Rabbi Voodoo Ray. That one. Big Tesco. Okay. That's Laser Drone. I love the fact that right there, where that bus stop is, there are yeah. still loads of rave posters for events. 
yeah, it's got a lot of kind of history. I guess it's like kind of that that little spot is for me anyway a little club mecca almost. Did that sound stick with you? Did you go and investigate the sound afterwards on your own? And... I I knew the big kind of pop jungle songs like I knew Incredible, uh, General mm. Levy and MB. I knew those tunes, but those tunes really got to me via. It was like weddings, going to weddings and hearing tunes. Because those tunes were still big. And like at Black Weddings, they were like still kind of tunes. I was much older. I think I went straight to Garage. So it was mm. hearing Jungle tapes at school and like being, that was like for me, I was one of my friends who was an early raver. Like I raved really, really early. So I was like year eight. Like, yeah, I've been to a rave. Everyone thought I was like some mad you. But <laughs> yeah. I didn't go out again. It wasn't a regular thing. I wasn't going out like every week raving like that's some mad shoot. Like what? But no, I. You just got that taster. I got mm. a taste real quick, real quick. Mm. And apart from that, it was it was pirate radios I was playing at home. It was um, hearing songs and weddings and parties, but it, it was never any clubs mm. until I got to sixteen, I think, and it was garage. I was like, right, I'm a garage head now. This is this is the new wave. Less um. Take it back just a second to um, Pirate Radio. So what mm. were you listening to? Oh, yeah, yeah, to? yeah. Upfront FM was my station. I lived in yes. South London or in Catford. S- South London's Upfront 993. Like, that was, they had like mm. Risky, they had Para. I was a big fan of that station and they had all, all the baddest tunes. And I remember back then, obviously, no internet. or I had a blank tape in my tape deck at all times, just ready for a, a hot tune. I'm going to bed, yeah. having a tape in the bed. In the, in the cassette deck, the volume down really low so I can just hear the um, DJ doing their kind of nighttime set. At nighttime, they do those kind of mellow sets, that kind of mellow garage. Mm. So I remember there being in bed and hearing songs like Gabrielle, Roy Davis Jr., and being like, wow, record, play, and like this tune is sick. Unlike any other garage, it was like really soulful with live instruments. I was like, this tune is dope. Hit record. And I'm trying to find them later on in record stores, trying to find what that tune was called because you couldn't Google it. It was No Shazam. It was Get It Now or or Don't. Mm. Yeah. No, I used, to, I used to listen to Upfront. I um I discovered Todd Edwards through there. There was a guy, mm. uh, John Russell, used to... Um, yes. He played all through the week, but I remember his Saturday morning set. I first mm. heard Todd Edwards and I text in. And it was it's kind of similar to you. I was really attracted to that more soulful sound and Todd kind of yeah. had that with his vocals. And I guess it was coming off of the back of what I was listening to at home. Like obviously all my parents' records and soul records and then getting into Sick. Soul to Soul and Nana Cherry yeah. and everything. And then, do you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden you've got this new sound, but it's still got like a tip, like a touch of that, that soulfulness. Mm. It was... Totally. It was perfect for my ears. Actually, this is kind of crazy. So going back to like my first taste of electronic music, this goes back, back before I even went to my first Jungle Rave at 13. So my dad like loved and loves music. He's a big music head, obviously being like part of Saxon and stuff. And um, he was in prison, he went to prison. Came out of prison with this tape, right? I'm being in the car with my sister and he puts it in, in and he leaves to go to the shops. We're in the car and he's playing like music really loud. It's our chance to like kind of get into new tunes via the car. And it isn't soul. It's not reggae. It's um, it's dance music. It's, it's um, acid house. It's like, foreign. it's really foreign to me. All, all I'm hearing are these like, I'm hearing um, our, um, Ray's Break for Love, that dum, 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 yeah. dum, 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 dum. And I'm like, 
I'm freaking out because I'm a kid. I'm like, oh my God, it's my sister. Like, this is drug music. Because now you see on the news, like, legal raves. <laughs> yeah. You, and also, the, the vocal on that's kind of like, it's kind of haunting. It's haunting. And it's, and it's very kind of sexual as well. So, yeah. at them times, when I'm mad <laughs> young, I remember um, Prince was out as well. And it was the Batman movie came out. And it was like, um, Prince did all this stuff. Like, Get Off was came out. And it was like, all these really salacious rude tunes and before you knew it i was into it i like, I like baby don't you worry i want to be the man that you want me to be kind of really attuned my hearing into There's getting no into club music really early from being a kid into Michael Jackson, Chabarang, some kind of stuff that you might typically be into as a kid, the kind of popular stuff, into underground UK music via this one tape my dad had, this one tape which he rinsed and it got me into like, okay, underground dance music. But I didn't know what it was. Even my dad would play records, like he'd play records a lot, like a lot. Mm. And I would even, before I knew what hip hop was, and he would play, um, Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam. I wonder if I take you home. I wonder if I take okay. you home. Great record. But I didn't know it was called hip hop. Or then it was like electro hip hop because it was like super 80s. Wild, 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 wild. That's mad. My mama, my mum was actually she she lived in New York in the 70s. And she Bro, actually lived in the in the Bronx. And I always asked no her, way. Like, did, you, did you hear hip hop? And she was like, no. Nah. She used to see the parties getting set up on the streets when they were plug into the lamps and everything. Bruh. But she wasn't even really into that. She was a disco girl. That's incredible. So she was, but she saw that stuff happening. I'm like, do you? I, I wish she was into <laughs> it more so she could just tell me the stories. But what was yeah, your mum born? She born in the UK? Barbados. Barbados, okay. Yeah. So moved Bro, there in a, the early 70s. That's an incredible story. Damn. I know. I know. So, all right. Um, you're going out raving. You're starting to listen to Garage, get into the Garage thing. Like, mm. Are you travelling? Like, are you going all around London? Are you going out of London? Like, where, where are you going to? Everything. Um, <laughs> so, it's like when you're a kid, leaving South is a big deal. So, we started leaving South London, going to Leicester Square to Gas Club. Or, going, or it was there, um, or it was Bass Club. And you feel like an adult, you feel like an adult, you're wearing Versace, you're kind of getting on the night bus and you end up in Leicester Square and you're kind of trying to hear some sexy garage music and everyone's a bit older than you. It's very much in the kind of Versace, Moschino, Champagne era where it's all bling bling. Whereas Jungle was, it was, it wasn't like Street Street, but it was like a bit, a bit rawer. Whereas reggae was like, they didn't, they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> reggae, you could wear, you could wear a, a bin liner. No one gave a fuck. It was just like, <laughs> yo, this is that we're gonna dance and we're gonna and we're cool. It was a bit fashionable, like a little bit. I'm taking the piss with the bin liner, but it was nowhere near the levels of excess with garage. Garage was like, I always look at it like people who are working class are very aspirational. So it was like, we're gonna put on our best gear and aspire to be the greatest. So it was that aspirational lifestyle which everyone did but no one cared about that it's a statement garage you know what garage rave was like right a garage rave like instagram irl <laughs> Walking 
into an Instagram page where everyone's wearing their best shit, sipping champagne and almost like fronting. Definitely. Those clubs, right, it was mad because this was like in the smoking days, which was, I know, in the obviously in the 90s. But Garage was like a bit cracky as well. You could smell crack around the corner of the speakers at some like at Coliseum. You had to avoid all the kind of gangsters who were in there. Like, I remember going to um, a garage rave at uni at Ali Pali. And there was mm. a guy in there with a gun and the lights came on. And it was like, but it was like, it was, there were thousands of people in this rave, thousands of people raving in the dark. Sorry, in, 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 the, in the light. I'm 99% sure it was at the same rave. The whole London was there, man. <laughs> the whole city was there. It was just like, <laughs> but, but looking at it now, it's kind of wild because raving with somebody with a gun visible isn't particularly cool you know it, no it's, it's kind of wild fun. london it's was not fun wild you've got like hundreds of people running in, <laughs> no, in <yeah. laughs> it was a weird time definitely was very a weird time. time loads of fun obviously loads of fun but you know it, it kind of felt unregulated it just felt like in the 90s it was just like are you a gangster yes be on the door, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you from South London and big? Be on the door. Because <laughs> I used to go Bagley's for jungle raves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously Bagley's had a lot of problems with security and yeah, it was just a bit mad down there sometimes. But it all contributed to it because you're quite, again, I was, I was fairly young then. Mm. And yeah, when you're in the queue to these big raves and everything just seems like, what? And it just feels like it could kick off at any moment. And it's just like this yes. tension you can cut with a knife. It was, yeah, that's a different time. That's a different mm. time. Um, you touched on it earlier with fashion and style. And I know we're kind of similar ages and I know you remember yeah. Probio, that story. Oh, yes. Probito <clears throat> was our version of Dapper Dan store in New York. Now you hear of like mm. Mike Tyson, LL Cool J getting their customized Gucci pieces from there. That was our spot. And there were like three Probitos, right? There was um, so Christopher's Place, Bond Street and South Morton Street. Mm. And um, I was going to all three of them. I couldn't really afford half the shit in there. Well, most of the shit in there, but... That shop was just like, everyone went there. So Solo Crew went there. There's a, a famous photo of those guys online somewhere. That shop was our, our Dapper Dan. It was the Mecca. It was, it was really cool. Really, really cool shop. They must have made a fortune. Did you ever go Fabric? Because oh, Fabric, obviously, I think Saturdays was kind of like a house techno mm-hmm. going into Sunday. And then Friday nights, it was a lot of like breakbeat and um, yeah. drum and bass. And I would, I would say okay. drum and bass instead of jungle just because it was more that kind of about... Yeah, like it shifted. Rock. It shifted. Like, even in, in hindsight, right, even though I'm a massive Garage fan and I, and I spent most of my teen, early 20s kind of buying Garage records and stuff, I really think that jungle is one of the most special genres created out of the UK. Mm, I agree. Because it's like, I look at it like our hip hop in terms of um, the golden um, years, the kind of golden decade of jungle sampling all those breaks, amen breaks. It, it, it's just like magic. It feels very much um, like black magic. You're kind of getting these records, speeding them up, adding these things to them, creating a new context. And it's literally like, it's a quote somewhere I read ages ago and it was like, Jungle is the spirit 
of dead jazz drummers or to post breaks for those old jazz drummers and you know, it kind of it's like haunting it's, it's their spirit alive in clubs I was like you know what that's kind of sick that's an amazing yeah, I like that analogy mm. yeah it's, it's special and also I feel like it also brought to prominence in terms of like a UK MC if you see what I mean yeah oh yeah do you know what I mean like For sure. it really For had sure. an effect totally. on the um uh the, the kind of spin-offs that came after obviously Garage obviously um Grime a lot mm. of those boys were all into the jungle yeah. they were all listening to that and the they, jungle they, MC. They, they, yeah. there was no way that they weren't inspired and um looked up to those guys and their delivery. It was wild because yeah. there was a culture of MCs and I'm trying to think now, but every jungle MC had their own style. Mm. That was very distinctive. So there's um Hyper D. Yeah. And then you had Bassman from Birmingham who was like slow mm. and like half time. And at first I was like, who's this waste guy Bassman with this like half time? When but you hear you it, hear like, <laughs> oh like he'd go like like he'd ride it like like a like a like a um instrument yeah then there was um skibber d obviously skibber d like skibber come on like you know what i mean yeah you can't skibber when he's on form it's just something else yeah then dare it was there were so many mcs with that only flavor remember the first time i saw that in um Bagley's, my mate saw him coming through the uh like the third room. He's like, "Oh, Det's going to the main yeah, room," yeah, and we yeah. literally ran behind. <laughs> and he came on. I was like, "What? <laughs> Who is this guy?" Remember always seeing his um black BMW outside the venue as well because he had his number play on. Six. <laughs> yeah, those were funny. I'm smiling. I'm, I'm actually smiling mm. into it. These these are funny, but there was a real culture of MCs, and they were distinctive. And I, I, I agree with you. I think. They paved the way for the garage MCs, which became So Solid Crew, which yeah. became Grime, which became you know rappers we know now in the UK. It was it was literally from obviously from reggae and then into sound into into jungle, yeah. but jungle really made it like a, a youth movement. But it was okay to sound British, and obviously you had all the like patois in there and everything. Do you know what I mean? So there was yeah, like, yeah, all the, yeah. but it was a very just British influenced sound. Totally, very British. It was just like, you couldn't fuck it. It was, it was like, it's London beats, London MCs. Yeah. You got it all. It was, it, it weren't no, it was like, there was no half stepping. It literally was the real deal. Love that. And that's the end of part one. You're listening to The Late Night Disenfranchised with me, Ollie, talking with Dean Bryce. Stay tuned. We now return for part two. So yeah, Dean, part one was good. Nice um, little trip down memory lane there. Come on. Some great stories. Um, so yeah, so part two is mainly about kind of talking more about like the connections you've made through nightlife, through going out. And obviously there's probably been quite a lot of crossover uh, with your career and also mm. going out. So it's kind of been work, but also building a community, building connections. <laughs> so yeah, how is that? How's that kind of like um, progressed through your life? Yeah, 
you're right. There's a lot of crossover because obviously working in music and going out, there there is no distinct um, kind of knowing what's what. It's kind of a, a big amalgamation of, of, of one thing. Um, so yeah, I, I'd make it a bit wider and say the friends that I've made through music are lifetime friends. So mm. whether they've been colleagues and been out together in parties or colleagues who we kind of started off by throwing parties together, it's been a real integral part of my life and, and growing up. And I'm not sure what kind of person or how I'd be without that community, mm. really. You know, like even from early raves, my friends I was out with when I was 16, we don't go out anymore because obviously everyone's doing their own their own stuff. But those parts of your life really shape you in, into a character. You, you kind of have a lot of early experiences. Mm. But yeah, raving been really, it's really important. I think in all, in all my, um, from my life as as it, as it is so far, the clubs are real markers of history. What's going on? So, if I was going to Plastic People in East London, that's a marker of a certain era. Of what was going on in my life? If I was going to Gas Club, if I was going to, um, I don't really think really any other kind of um, forward mm. rooms. So you know, I mean, every club moment has a real marker in my life of what I was doing how old I was, or co-op and broken beat. You know, all these things really mm. mean a lot of stuff. And I think um, it's just great to kind of look at your life and say, oh yeah, when I was I was 24, I was going here and doing this and exciting. And it's just, those friends might not always be there, but the experiences are. The experiences those last forever. And the shared experiences. That's the unique thing. Do you know what I yeah. mean? When everyone, when you're, when you're laughing with your boys and whatever, who, whoever it is, and you'll never forget those moments really never Just, never mm. even house parties like you get to you get, you get a good house party and it's just like sick i remember the last party i went to which is really good right was one in east london and um somebody put on um flowetry say yes which is quite like it's quite like a an intimate tune really but the whole party sang along the whole the whole wow. the whole downstairs sang along and i was like bro this is like this is a moment you guys are just you got you got yeah, it the on ones when you yeah. get like shivers yeah oh, yes. wow yeah it was it was exactly that so these moments come and you yeah. can like share the experiences and have have fun and, and enjoy things like that but um that. yeah the clubs the clubs are really important and i think um in the uk particularly i don't think the government really recognized the nighttime economy for what it really is it brings money into mm. communities it's a way of of people sharing and getting down that clubs are so important that they're as important as as pubs you know and uk pubs get oh. lots of government support but clubs don't get any support clubs bring all the money but they're on their own obviously like i've seen you dj a few times with um hannah obviously and forget local oh hannah hannah's one of yeah. my closest friends i yeah. met hannah when she interned at ninja tune hannah's from brixton ended up hanging out coming mates and then we had an idea it was four of us in the beginning but it's just now me and hannah and we had an idea of throwing a party in south london because all the parties that we liked were in east and south's really it's a great area full of energy and it's very vibrant but there weren't really any parties in south so we thought fuck it let's do a party in south and call it local because i mean because you started off in Brixton, didn't you? 
Yeah, it's up in Brixton. We've done Peckham. Mm. We're trying to keep it like this part of the city anyway. We're never going to go to East mm. or whatever. But um, it's just loads of fun, really. But obviously, lockdown, it's been well over a year since our last party. So we're itching to go and do a new one at some point. Yeah, you're going to plan on doing something this year? Yeah. in a, oh Well, if we can this year, but somewhere nice, somewhere like my favourite um, locals were done in the railway arches. I'm not sure if we went to any of those ones. We did a couple in the railway arches in Brixton. Oh, okay. kind of, I know the one you mean, yeah. Yeah, the one on Cold Harbour exactly. Lane. Yeah, we did one over there. And one even, even when we did um, in Loughborough Junction in, in a little railway arch. Yeah. They're my favourite ones um, because they have a vibe, like I was saying before, they have a vibe of being less clinical that is basically no, a bit more. No, the room is so important and, and, and exciting. The room that you play music in is yeah. really important. It just gives off. Yeah, less sterile. I, I, I really yeah, enjoy just very simple clubs like um, plastic people. Mm. It's just a dark room. Plastic the one. Great sound system. Some incense yeah. burning or whatever people used to burn in their lives. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Give me a club, right? It's basically a yeah. square box. Give me a, just a square shape. Mm. Make it dark. And loud, done, done. We're good. DJ at the end <laughs> of the room, so everyone's attention is there. Boom. Exactly. Like Raving in those, like um, Printworks is cool. It's good, but man, you don't get that connection. You don't get that connection of the small dark mm. room. It's changed, isn't it? London has changed. Club wise, it's really changed. Even yeah. record shops. You know, I was just thinking about record shops just gone. now because of all the ones that have gone in Brixton, but then also obviously Central as well. Mm. Like I used to, yeah. Uh, um, uptown. My spot red, was Red Records. Record spot. My dad was going Red Records. I was like in the in in the car, thinking I want to move to Brixton because coming from Catford, Catford's cool. It's it's very kind of multicultural, working class, but it's, it still feels like it was on a corner, and it was just oh, Red's. And it would just, no, you just hear the music Red's coming Red's out of this. Brixton. You just yeah drawn towards it. It yeah. was vibrant. Red was the, it was really mm. cool, really cool. It was like shit. Red records, it's cool. Brixton was for me was like the most exciting place in London. I was like raw. So it was Red Records in in Bricky. Then in, in um, Uptown. Uptown, you know, you had obviously yeah. Uptown Records on Derby Street, yeah. Black Market as well. A great one though, actually, a sick one was ah uh, release the oh, groove. Yes. Release the groove, mad. Yeah, so I many used to work around there in Soho as a kid. I used to have a um, holiday job, and I used to do the. I used to do the post, okay. uh, the post office run because I was just, I was just in the stock room. So ah. I used to see all the guys from the record mm. stores in the like. So everyone would be there at like four o'clock in the afternoon doing all the mail outs, and yeah, I would see yeah. all the guys like all mm. like these big fat stacks of records and everything. And I go, yeah. It was cool. It was Sick. cool. I Where was just work working then? for some jewelry company. It's like my mum's friend. And he just gave me a job and it was perfect because <laughs> I was just rolling around Soho. And this is when Soho was just the smile. Vibrant yeah. and, and buzzing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah that was cool. That Mad. Was really cool. You have record stores. Another one. Did you ever venture to um, Big Apple? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Big, it was funny, Big Apple, Big Apple, right? I used to go there every Friday mm. with my friend, right? Um, we'd get, we'd go Croydon, go Big Apple, and I'd get the 54 bus mm. back to Catford. Took took time, but we spent like hours in, in Big Apple buying the dopest <laughs> tunes. But the mad thing about Big Apple, right? 
which I don't know to this day. Why was their logo a banana? <laughs> I still don't know. To this <laughs> yeah, the banana and the logo. But it was called Big Apple. No one ever questioned like, it's called Big Apple, but uh, what's going on with that? But no one ever said Someone anything. Was lean when they did that logo. Did you ever chat to any of the people in the shops? Did you kind of make yourself known or were you just a bit more like just... Oh yeah, mm. loads of friends in record shops. I met um, Jay Deflex mm. from, um, he worked in um, Black Market. I met a guy, I can't remember his name actually. He worked in Uptown Records. He's now a, a big DJ actually. I keep seeing him okay. like doing boiler rooms. He's now a big house, he's, he's a yeah. big house DJ. Um, Spencer Parker okay, yeah. is his name. Spencer Parker. I met, I met him in um, Uptown Records. Did you chat to, um, did you chat to Cameo? Yeah, I remember Cameo. I remember this girl called Angel T. Her, yeah. She had a show on up front, actually. Angel worked in um, Release yeah. the Groove back in the day. Um, it's quite funny, isn't it? All these characters in these shops, all these kind of people who are really quirky in these shops. But now it's just the internet. You just yeah. go online and you miss that human character of knowing who's going to be working it's that mad. day. And I was going thinking there. about it the other day, like how... You, the information spread was through physical spaces like shops and then also pirate pirate radio yeah. that's how information traveled back then and then word yep. of mouth obviously that was that was like the network that everyone tapped into to know what the hell was going on what where to do I remember, right, trying to, trying to buy a tune in a record shop and waiting there for hours because the guy was getting the tune from the um, factory or, or, or distributor or whatever. So I'm sitting there for like at least three hours on a Saturday chatting with friends, waiting mm. for the order to come through or delivery to come back. And they eventually come through with a big pile. Like, I've got it. He's, he's been to somewhere. We've got a massive pile of records and boxes. And then you go and buy it. That's kind of wild. Like waiting in the shop for three hours, <laughs> sitting there waiting for a record because you can't, you can't miss it. You can't lose it. Like if you lose it, and it's gone. You've missed out. That was wild. I think. I think. I guess back then, you're more enthusiastic. You're more patient, and you really want this record, and you're gonna wait half a day to get anything. it. Trust me. Those days of getting that one record, because obviously then it was either have it or you don't have it. There, there's no MP3. Yeah. There was no sold out. Spotify. Sold out. Either have it or you. Yeah. Sold out is mm. that's it. You missed a chance. You can't get it. There was no discogs. It was like. They might do a repress, but mm. they might not. And that's that record done. And you're like, and you're screwing. <laughs> did you ever play oh, any pirate radio? I, I did one thing, right? And it was when I was getting really progressive. And by progressive, I mean, like trying to fuck up the, the whole thing and putting some like US house records in the mix to make it like yeah. just different. So I remember my first tune was Mood to Swing. It was one of their dubs, like a probably US house by mm. dub record. And somebody texted in and was like, what the fuck is this? Because all they want to hear is like two steps. All they want to hear is like two steps swinging in the, and the big bass lines. And I'm going to play something. This is mad groovy. It's got a, a great groove and swing to it. They're like, what is this? So then I was like, raw. They don't want to hear me being a bit like exciting as a DJ. So I kind of lost, I lost a bit of taste for that. I was like, you know what? I'm not. I didn't want to be schooling audiences. They wanted to hear. The yeah. popular tunes and that they didn't want to really go on a journey so i was like i'm kind of done with this but i'd still hang out with friends and just kind mm. of sit in the background but i wasn't playing in there anymore i thought these guys don't appreciate my taste so i, I didn't want to give them any more records yeah I'm i know like, what you mean it was quite 
like to deviate was quite a big thing then. You couldn't, de- you could not deviate. It was, you couldn't. It was just like we want to hear all the same tunes that we know, and and that's that. If you've anything new, it better be a in the same mm. formula or style. It, it shouldn't be something different. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. man. Yeah, I, I played um learn to love the um the dub and um they hated it learn to love by Muta swing they fucking hated it <laughs> i remember my boy um bogle he i used to go with him to taste fm what? yeah you, oh taste uh, no, that was all over so that move it was south though it was um one one time the studio yeah. was on dog kennel hill near the Sainsbury's and then it moved yeah, yeah, yeah. to some little flat in mm-hmm. Stockwell and then it was in some warehouse just oh, off right, the yeah. road for a bit it just yeah it was constantly yeah. moving I knew a guy from Chase mm. FM I knew one of the owners or, or some guy mm. by my sister okay, Smokey yeah, that, his then. name was Smokey really cool dude really cool dude like when you're younger and you meet like a a South kind of Brixton mm. elder it mean, you know what I mean, you kind of think these guys are like, these guys are like, they're yeah. like, geez, you're like, right, oh, this guy comes to Catford and we'd like talk and like, it's smoky. Great dude. Really cool dude. Yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun. But yeah, my boy, he must have played, mm. um, he dropped in Darth Bunk around the world into his garage set and it actually <laughs> went off. That would definitely go off. That would definitely go off. Sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's quite, that's quite mm, a sick mix to do that, actually. Definitely. So, yeah, uh, what do you see in terms of nightlife going forward? Where do you see it going? We can speculate, and I think there's going to be a massive surge for obvious reasons. Post-COVID, there'll be a massive surge when it's safe to go out again. If people wanted to go out, I think even people who weren't even interested in going out after being indoors for a whole year, you're going to want mm. to go out and dance and, and hit some tunes. So hopefully there'll be a massive resurgence of that. Um, in New York, there was a big culture in New York of going out on a Thursday. It might even be like people rave on a Thursday in, in London, like go out on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Do you know what I mean? Because I people want Tuesday, to go out. I reckon Tuesday hopefully... is going to be popping. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, Monday night. Yeah. Let's go out on Monday night. So I think you'll get just... An array of music. I, I think DJing people are going to be more excited, experimental, and really go for the party rather than all you'll need now is that that great DJ rather than a name to go and fill your room. It'll be full anyway. Yeah, I like that. I hope you're right about that because yeah, that mm. sounds that sounds fun to have something fresh. Yeah, let's go. Last thing, really, is there anything you want to be able to tell the people what's happening in your world? Yeah. If you've got a chance, check out Don't Sleep. We're a new music venture in the UK, Black Home Music Venture, managing artists, putting out exciting records. We're doing a project, a couple of exciting artists, um, Melody, Infinite Coles, Barber Phones, and these will drop sometime in this year. Amazing. Amazing. Look forward to that. Bro, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Bro, a lot of fun. I liked it. A lot of fun. Thank, thank you. you so much. No, that's seriously. You are, you are on my list, my hit list from when I came up with this idea. So I appreciate it. Oh, seriously. lovely. Love. 
Love, love. Thank you for listening to the Late Night Disenfranchised. I've been your host, Ollie. That was the second archive featuring Dean Bryce. It was recorded in two unknown locations in London and produced by Louis Youssef. If you'd like to check out Dean's label, go to don'tsleeprecords.com. Also, please share and subscribe and check out the Insta at The Late Night Disenfranchised for more content. Stay tuned for the next archive. Coming soon.